She's still engaged. She gets to you know, take her outside when it's nice and bring her inside. And she gets she has her nighttime bed and she has her daytime bed, so she has a different view. She goes to rehab, and it's the same dog, just unable to do what she used to do, but she's still happy. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you're listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, Janet Curran, author of Antoine's Tale, An Extraordinary Shelter Dog's Journey, returns to introduce us to Connie Fredman and the Canine Health Resort. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. You can support Rosie Fund by making a donation on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the store on our website, buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or buying our note cards featuring Rosie and Peaches and our shirts on barkyours.com. Links are in the description. Your donations and purchases help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. Any donation amount is greatly appreciated, but here are some popular levels. $30 provides a collar and leash for a Rosie Life Starter Kit dog, and $100 covers their entire kit. You can also support Rosie Fund by downloading, subscribing, rating, and most importantly, sharing dog words. Follow us on social media, even if you aren't looking for a dog. Watching and sharing the videos helps our channel gain exposure, bringing awareness to our cause, and giving shelter dogs much-needed attention. Our free Rosie Fund YouTube channel offers great videos of Rosie, peaches, and shelter dogs looking for their forever home. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions, especially if you have an idea for a topic or guest. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Next time on Dog Words, Melody Huff from The Pet Connection tells us about their free training and behavior classes for adopters and the other great work that they are doing for animal welfare in their community. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we welcome back Janet Curran, who is the author of Antoine's Tale, An Extraordinary Shelter Dog's Journey. And in that interview, you mentioned Connie Fredman, who operates Canine Health Resort, and lo and behold... Here we have Connie. So welcome, <laughs> Janet and Connie. Thank you. Thank you. Even more special, I am looking at the handsome, amazing Antoine as he takes a nap because he's had a very <laughs> full day so far. And I got to meet Axel. I don't know where she... She's down here napping. She's also napping. So we're going to sit here and disturb them for a little bit with our conversation. If you haven't listened to Janet's interview, go back and check that out. It's wonderful. It's in the archives. I'll put a link to it in the description. And just briefly, Janet, tell us how you got connected with Connie. Actually, it happened before I ever had Antoine. I had a dog that, uh, a St. Bernard, that had been diagnosed with a um, osteosarcoma. And I took the dog to Colorado State University for some treatment because they had some very fancy stereotactic radiation available. And I realized that living in Kansas City and and, uh, my beloved St. Bernard was going to need to stay in Colorado for at least a month to six weeks. I needed to find some care because I had a 
family of children and dogs. And, <laughs> and that's how I met Connie. I was given her name because this is what she does. Actually, I'm going to let her tell you all about what she does because it is an amazing, amazing facility. It's amazing and, and necessary, certainly in right. your circumstance. Connie. Yes. <laughs> you are the operator of Canine Health Resort. Yes. How did that get started and what is it? I do medical boarding for dogs. That's, that's basically what it is. It got started because I had a dog that had a TPLO surgery, which is a knee surgery. Mm -hmm. Back then, it was less expensive than it is now, but still very expensive. And I didn't want to have a credit card bill hanging over my head. So I started working part-time after hours at the vet hospital at CSU, just doing what they call animal care, which is cleaning. And I saw some of the dogs in the wards that were there for the month, six weeks of treatment. And they were in chain link kennels with cement walls. And they'd they'd go out maybe four times a day to go to the bathroom. And they just, they were unhappy. They were depressed and they were getting treatment. They were away from their families. And so I asked somebody, well, can the dogs go home with the students on their case? And they said, well, they could with permission from the owners, but... They have their school all day. They're back checking cases at night. They've got their own pets. Usually it's not a workable solution. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what if I started a business and they could come live with me and I could take their treatment every day and they come home and they live in a home environment and I text their owners their photos, talk to them on the phone, see how they're doing every day. And I had to jump through a lot of hoops, but I did it. So... That's how I started out with the radiation dogs, like Max, who had to come for a month. Most people can't take a month out of their lives. So your clientele is primarily people from out of town. Yes, and I and it's 60 miles from Denver, and I had a lot of dogs coming from Denver. They'd stay with me for the week. Their owners would pick them up on Friday night, drop them back off on Sunday night. So okay. they'd have, have the weekend at home. But we had, I think the one that came the farthest came from... The Caribbean, and she flew her dog from the Caribbean. The dog stayed with me, and then came back. We had East Coast dogs, we had West Coast dogs. I had Priscilla the pug from Juno. <laughs> she flew down from Juno for her treatment, and then put them on a plane. They go back. So, how long have you been operating the resort? I started it in 2003, and I went full time in 2007. And now the technology behind radiation treatment has changed where they can get that same treatment in a week as opposed to a month. So I don't get radiation dogs very often, but I have all kinds of other dogs that come in. With the interview we had last time with Janet, we talked about Antoine's tale and the amazing pictures that are in the book. There are a lot of non-dog pictures at the resort when did you expand beyond dogs and what kind of animals do you have in addition to dogs well i have horses and i've had horses for a long time forever and the horses that i board now are retired horses 
And so they're usually older or they have some injury that made them not rideable and their owners kept them as family pets and they have a place for them to retire and they actually do very well in retirement. And I don't have facilities. I don't have the wash racks, the arenas, that that kind of stuff because those horses don't need it. And I don't do cats. I've had plenty of cats for the years. My last one just died in July. She was 21 and the dogs parted when she ruled the roost. So um, don't have any cats currently. The llamas. I think he's speaking of the llamas. Oh. Llamas caught my eye. Oh, okay. Those llamas. The llamas also caught Antoine's eye. Yes, yes. So that's when he first came here. There was a forest fire up in the mountains west of where I live. And they had to evacuate. And so those were my friend's llamas. And they came down and lived there. And Antoine was fascinated. Amazingly enough, eight or ten years later, there was another forest fire. Those same four llamas who were then in their late teens and 20s came down again. Same four llamas. And so Antoine was eight years older, and those llamas were eight years older. (laughs) So they came back. Old friends. The point worth making, I think, is people look for the perfect dog when they're wanting to adopt. It has to be ideal for their situation. And while you do need a dog that fits your lifestyle, that if you're high energy, you need a high energy dog. If you're low energy, you need a low energy dog. If you have kids, you need a dog that's not going to knock them around or be too aggressive in its play. So yes, there needs to be that match, but don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm -hmm. At your resort, you have dogs who are living with llamas and donkeys and at one time cats and horses and other dogs with unusual ways that they present that they're unusual looking or behaving dogs yes and everybody just gets along it's my island of misfits just like rudolph (laughs) Mm -hmm. red-nosed reindeer story i think it's um she has some really interesting dogs there right now why don't you um talk about gonzo (laughs) Gonzo is going to be four. I thought he was a terrier mix. He's 16 pounds, 18 pounds. Looks like a little Westie. Did his DNA. He's half poodle, quarter Sharpay, and quarter mixed Spaniel, which I don't see that. But he was born with an underdeveloped cerebellum. It's called cerebellar hyperplasia. And the cerebellum controls their motor skills. So... He wobbles when he walks. The only Mm -hmm. time he's still is when he's laying down. He does fine. He's the happiest dog. He somersaults sometimes just as his way of, you know, mode of ambulating. Um, Jumps from side to side on his walk, moves forward, falls down, just as happy as can be. And you don't have to protect him from the other dogs? No. He, I say, is a thousand percent terrier. Mm-hmm. He lets them know when he first got here to my house, I had a dog that was in a cone 24-7. And they'd go on walks, and the dog was a lab, didn't care who he ran into or whatever. And Gonzo learned to just do a little side roll when he would come by, and he'd avoid the cone. So <laughs> I also think other dogs recognize what's special in each other. They accommodate difference perhaps better than humans do. 
Oh, definitely better than humans, but it's it's more like certain dogs exude a certain temperament or personality or ranking, if you will, and they will defer to other dogs. Gonzo, when he's in the pack out in the pasture, he's just another dog. When he's in the house and he's on any particular bed, he does not let anybody else get near his bed. And that's more like, this is my territory. You can't get within five feet of it. And he lets them know. I may have shared this story before on dog words, but if I have, it's been a while. Several years ago at KC Pet Project's Zona Rosa location, and not the current Zona Rosa location, but their original one, the way the kennels were set up was a big U. You come in the door, and there is uh, then a passage to the left to get into the cat area, but then in front of you and on the walls on either side of you are just kennels full of dogs. And as you can imagine, lots of barking, especially anytime a dog comes in or is taken out for a walk. Well, and then that just cranks the barking up to the next level. There was a puppy, probably close to a year old, that had been shot in the shoulder, and they had to take one of its front legs. So it was a tripod. All the dogs are going nuts, barking, and I took that dog out of its kennel for a walk, total silence. I don't know, respect or curiosity, every dog immediately stopped barking mm-hmm. and watched me take that dog out the door. Mm. And it was better, for, obviously, for that dog to not have everything barking right, at it and right. get all flustered and excited and anxiety and stressed, easier to get it out the door. It's like, thank you, pack. <laughs> For supporting your little tripod friend, your little buddy. Yeah. Well, I've been at Connie's, you know, when she's had as many as uh, 16 dogs there. And, uh, you know, all of them with different either disabilities or maybe they're there for um, hospice. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that actually, Philip, is, is amazing because, you know, I've seen dogs come in. I think I told you earlier. Yes. podcast. And they live, they're supposed to maybe last two weeks, and they live about four years. Mm-hmm. Because they love Connie's routine, her daily routine. and um, They get to be dogs. They're bedtime not, cookies. They're not patients. <laughs> Their whole world with dogs that are, have illnesses or handicaps or something, their whole world revolves around the medical field. And at my house... Yeah, I have to put on bandages. Yeah, I have to give them medications. But they get to be dogs. And I think that's something that they miss out on when they have a worried owner. Yes. Who is like, oh, they're fragile. It's like, they're not fragile. Let them, let them do what they want to do. Yeah, I'm sure you love them as much as their owner does. Not always. <laughs> or maybe. <laughs> not always. <laughs> there might be some challenges to yes, that. Yes, yes. But... You care for them as much as you can and as much as they need, but you're not adding to their stress by sort of highlighting the fact that they are nearing death. Right, because they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. Treat them like they're still alive. Right. Because they are. And And with fresh amputees, it really works out because they... I've had, I've had two front limb amputee dogs, um, fresh amputees. I, they had four legs when I got them, and they, I got them when they needed to have amputations. You mean personally? Yes. 
And if you just let them go figure out how they're going to walk on this leg Mm -hmm. and they see other dogs running and they figure out, oh, yeah, I might do a few face plants, but here, this is how I have to get get it together Mm -hmm. and this is how I do it. Where an owner, if they take the dog home as a fresh amputee, they're so worried about everything. Mm -hmm. And they don't really give them that opportunity to get get out and figure out how to do it. We've had tripods on dog words before the organization oh, tripods Renee and Jim? yes yeah and uh, so i'll link to that in the description yes, as well yes. and yeah they make that point that dogs are remarkably adaptive you do need to check on them depending on what leg they've lost but the vet will take care of that and there's things yes. that you need to keep an eye on but then you let them be a dog yes yes they're, they're not self-conscious about it at all and same thing with cancer dogs or I have a down Great Dane now. Down meaning no longer ambulatory. And she's a small Great Dane, and she's my own, and she has a disease called wobblers, which is a narrowing of the spinal column at the neck. And it's a Great Danes do get it. Dobermans get it. Other breeds get it, but it's predominantly Danes and Dobermans. Well, in two years, she has progressed to where she can't walk, and it's just because of the disease. She goes to rehab and but I just saw a video of her from April where she was ambulatory and walking, and she's the same temperament. Mm-hmm. She's still engaged. She gets to, you know, I take her outside when it's nice and bring her inside, and she gets she has her nighttime bed and she has her daytime bed, so she has a different view. She goes to rehab, and it's the same dog, just unable to do what she used to do, but she's still happy. And a lot of people don't understand that, yeah, they they still enjoy and don't realize their limitations necessarily. Mm-hmm. Let them enjoy this new life. They will adapt. Mm-hmm. One of the things I find so interesting about Antoine is not only does he have a great life at the resort, but that he became a therapy dog. How did that happen? I've had therapy dogs through... Pet partners. It used to be called a Delta Society. That's how far back we go. And I found out that when you have a dog that has a physical limitation or disability, it attracts more tension and it kind of lets people associate the dogs and how the dog gets along with people and how the people get along. So when we work with kids with special needs, and they walk down the hall of their school with a dog like Antoine, they're like, ooh, king of the school. Mm-hmm. You know, how come that kid gets to do the dog? And they might have crutches or Down syndrome or whatever. So because I'd had therapy dogs before, I thought, well, Antoine would be really good at that. And he passed the test, and he's, gosh, he's been a therapy dog since he was a year old because that's when you can. Mm-hmm. And how old is he now? 11 in January. So 10 years. Yes. And he does not look like a senior dog. No, he does not. <laughs> he doesn't act like a senior dog. <laughs> yes, he just seems so sweet-natured, good-tempered. You mentioned that sometimes owners, the way they treat a dog that is either in recovery or end-of-life issues is perhaps too doting, not letting the dog be a dog. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, if they had a dog like Antoine or Axel, would be sheltering them. Mm -hmm. How do we protect them from 
other dogs? How do we keep them from interacting with other dogs? Because, you know, they're defenseless. And oh, we don't want kids playing with them. The kids might hurt them. The kids don't know what to do with a dog that is so different. He's wearing a brace. Axel has uh, kind of a harness on her hind end. I'm not sure what you would call. She she has hers. hers she has she has a wheelchair, which she uses when we go on walks or go distances because mm-hmm. she's so fast. She will tip it and flip over, and so I have to. She can't wear it in the yard because she'll be tipped over <laughs> somewhere. But I wrap her legs every day. I do his bandages and his brace every day, and then they get them off at night. Mm-hmm. But they both do what they want to do, and it's we've just set up this thing to protect their skin. Mm-hmm. So being a... So that's the protection that needs to take place. Yes, that's, yes. But, that's necessary, but as far as sheltering them, being like, no. quote, helicopter mom, or what they call now the, yeah. the lawnmower parent, <laughs> you're doing the opposite of that. Exactly. You're getting them exposure to more environments, more yes. interactions. Yes. And... They seem none the worse for it. If no. anything, they seem to be thriving. They, they do thrive on it. It stimulates their mind. They they love the attention. They get lots of exercise. and The stimulus of yeah. new environment, new yes. people, new smells, all the things that energize dogs has become part of their routine. Yes, very much so. We get new stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Does uh, Antoine have, like, vacation days that he builds up like does he get a week or two to decompress or does he have a regular schedule like a couple times a week he's at a facility he he goes to rehab three days a week and has for years he's when he first came when janice first sent him here and he had his surgery and then follow-up visits he was going seven days a week to get bandage changes and things like that and we got him down to three days a week we tried two days a week and uh, as he ages, you kind of want to keep him tuned up. Mm-hmm. He has a physical therapist certified in dogs. She's a human PT certified in dogs, Deanna Rogers. She comes to the house every Monday morning, works on him and Carrie, the down Great Dane, and every other week, Simon, my big Great Dane. And then on Wednesdays, he goes to the rehab facility for his exercises, and they work on all the equipment there the balls and the steps and mm-hmm. things like that and then on fridays he goes back to the rehab facility for acupuncture so that's his monday wednesday friday schedule and tuesdays and thursdays are his free days if you want to call it that but everybody goes on a walk every day at my house and again how many dogs do you currently have i have 18 at my house now with my pet sitter and 20 with him before you started the resort, how would you have self-rated your organizational skills? Because to coordinate all of this is not something that I think everyone could handle. No, but I, I had dogs with handicaps, which is why mm-hmm. I started it. And so I was very used to meds. Um, I had a real job, like mm-hmm. eight to five, nine to five jobs. So I had to get things done i only had probably two or three dogs at the time i know connie i know lots of people with eight to five jobs who i wouldn't trust to coordinate two dogs for a week (laughs) (laughs) and you have at least a dozen at any given time and up to 20 it's not just 
everybody gets their walks. Right. So everyone gets their walks, their meds, their rehab, their PT, and other therapy to keep all that coordinated in an environment that is not a clinic with everybody in their own room with a couple dedicated staff. Well, I, I can I jump in here sure. for a minute? <laughs> I will say that my husband and I were out visiting Connie not long ago. and We got to witness breakfast, which was <laughs> incredible. I think at the time you had about probably 18 dogs there. So she sets out all the meds, all marked, all the bowls, all the dog dishes, you know, in the kitchen, all the way around with all the meds. But what was amazing is that these dogs, that they just get along. Like you say, they just mm-hmm. know. It's just like waiting for the leader of the pack, Connie, to come mm-hmm. in. They all wait on their beds inside her living room. So she has all these dog beds that they all sleep in. They all sit on their bed while she's in the kitchen fixing their breakfast and then she takes them out like a waitress, you know, the, the dishes lined up and puts the dishes down and they all eat. No one really tries to get anybody else's food. No, I normally I don't leave this many dogs for my pet sitter. And she's used to the core group. She's a vet tech too, which is wonderful. But I left her a diagram of my house and which dogs eat in the kitchen, which dogs eat See, there. this is what I'm talking about. Not everybody has the awareness to do that, let alone the skill set required to do that. So I didn't start out doing it this way. And, and I tell people, you know, those who do crossword puzzles and Sudoku and everything to keep their mind sharp, I do dog meds. Yeah, you, you don't need to <laughs> do extra. But also the persistence and talk about the dog's adaptability. Let's give Connie credit for her adaptability You could have done this for a month or two or three and gone, well, this is a nightmare, (laughs) and given up. But instead you went, this is a nightmare, but I'm going to stick with it and get better. I'm going to figure this out. Were there moments early on where you thought, well, I'll do this for a few months or a few years, and then you look back and I've been doing this for almost 20 years? No, because I saw the dogs at the kennels at CSU and saw how they felt. And then having, I had, a, I had a lab who turned into a quadriplegic just with some weird neuro thing. And the work that was involved with him, the equipment that I bought for him, I bought a gurney, which they don't even make those kind anymore. I bought it for him. At that time, it was $900, which was a lot of money then. And Carrie, my current Dane, is my fourth gurney dog since I bought that for Ozzy. St. Bernard used Saint it. Bernard, Molly mm-hmm. used to use her the gurney, invaluable. And you can't have a big dog if you don't have a gurney to be able to transport mm-hmm. them around in. Because unless you're a six foot ten guy, you know, who can pick them yeah. up like that. But I think because I, I should s- point out to our listeners, you're not a six foot ten guy. No, I'm not. You're, you're shy of six <laughs> ten by yes. quite a bit. Yes, but I think seeing how they evolve from this dog that has either back surgery or loses a limb or they're cancer dogs and they're going through treatment to see them just brighten up and be dogs again and it's like it just keeps you going and yes they all die at some point whether they die when they go home i've had dogs die at my house for various reasons that are not my own dogs i've had plenty of my own dogs die 
but they're so happy. Their owners are so thankful and appreciative when they get their dogs back and they see the life back in their dog, even if they don't have that much longer to live. They've had a really good time. Even from the beginning, it doesn't sound like you saw this as a business opportunity so much as a calling. I didn't know it was a calling. Well, you don't it have to know something's a calling in order for it to be it a calling. Start, it started out with my own dogs, mm-hmm. my own Ozzy, my quadriplegic dog. And well, you saw a need, yes, and other people, yeah. I'm sure, saw that need, but did not have any interest or expectation that they could fill that need, mm-hmm. and you did, and it takes a special kind of person, whether that person recognizes that they're special or this is a calling is beside the point. What is the point is you did something. Yes. That needed to be done. Yes. And, and uh, it turned into something that And I countless really people are grateful for it. Yes. Yeah. I'm grateful for the dogs that I have that I can care for. You mentioned the $900 gurney mm-hmm. and all the medical care that many of your, I don't know what to call them, guests <laughs> that your guests need. My clients. They're not patients. Yeah. Yeah. So the pet owner would pay for whatever medical care and just have, that's have, like a yeah. boarding facility a you would pay for. Yeah, this I is have. my dog's food and care and everything. But you also have dogs like Antoine who does not have an owner who's waiting for them to come home. No, Yet she, still, she comes to visit him. And uh, he sometimes comes to visit her. <laughs> so what covers the $900 gurneys and the other expenses of having a pack of dogs and a couple horses and occasional llamas? And Well, my, my dogs, number one, all of my dogs have pet insurance. And I encourage every single dog owner to get pet insurance. And even if you think it's expensive now... Wait till your dog has a knee surgery or a cancer diagnosis or something like that. And you can never save up enough to cover those expenses. And you don't want money to be the reason your dog doesn't get treatment mm-hmm. on something that's a treatable disease or illness. But And that was one of the most heartbreaking things for me when Peaches was getting chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. I would be in the waiting room at uh, Mission MedVet, and anyone who's been there knows it's a large waiting room, and many people who are coming in have already been to a vet who's told them, you need to go there. We do not have the facilities to address this dog's need, or people who just know in an emergency, go there first. And as emotionally challenging as it was to be sitting there while you know your dog is getting chemotherapy you witness so many people coming in who you can tell they are in the conflicted position of balancing an emotional decision, a financial decision, a practical decision, all of which is very difficult. The emotional and a practical are tough enough if you could just take the financial part out of it to make that decision a little more manageable. Yeah, there were so many times I witnessed that and was grateful that the decisions we were making for Peaches were not financial. Right, right. And that's the thing is is my clients, they're all doing everything they possibly can to 
keep the quality of life for their dog that that dog needs. They're not the people who have a, a limit to what they can spend, mm-hmm. as, whether they have pet insurance or they have funds. Or I know I had so much credit card debt before pet insurance came along because I spent what I needed to spend on my dogs. But I don't have children, and I don't have you know college educations to fund. So and your stuff. your client's primary consideration then, hopefully, is quality of life for their companion. Yes, and you are helping them maintain that quality of life, if not improve that quality of life. Yes. So I'm sure it's just a godsend for for so many people who come to you. And I can attest to that. If you, my daughter, um, had a St. Bernard that, due to an infection, had to have a front leg removed at age 12. This was a big St. Bernard. And she had very small children. And the problem becomes physical care of managing a St. Bernard, even though she did learn to walk and, and enjoy life. But as she got older and not as mobile. Um, and just had a lot of stairs. In her right, and, she, and my daughter had a lot of stairs. It, it was more a question of physical care and health and happiness of the dog. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we were so fortunate we knew Connie because my daughter could put her dog at Connie's where we knew that she was, whether she could walk or not, going to be put in a wagon and taken down to the pond mm-hmm. every day or just be a part of things, see the action that happens. And she would go visit her regularly. In addition to individual pet owners, are there any rescue groups or anything that you work with or shelters? Yes, I do medical fostering for Safe Harbor Lab Rescue and Rocky Mountain Great Dane Rescue because I can handle a down Dane and I also can get weight off of the morbidly obese labs that sometimes come through the, the rescue. Well, they don't want to adopt out a dog that's overweight. No, they, these dogs are morbidly obese, and they're, they have to be at least 20 pounds overweight. And I have taken dogs that were 50 pounds overweight. My record was Luke, a dog who lost 70 pounds in seven months. It was amazing to see him. He was just rolls and rolls yeah, well that's yeah that's huge for a dog yes it is so they get controlled feeding at my house the only treats these dogs get are at bedtime they get a bedtime cookie all of the dogs because i can't have treats out with how many mm-hmm. dogs i have unless they're in training but then they're individual but they get exercise and rather than just walking on a leash the same route day after day they are doing what i equate to high-intensity interval training. Yeah, H-I-I-T. Exactly. uh, Yeah. And that's what they get to do at my house because they're running and sprinting and walking and waddling and turning corners and going swimming. And it's not just the regular walk because that's not going to get the weight off the dogs. Well, it's sad that in addition to dogs like Antoine who have a congenital issue or have caught a disease, that there are environmental issues. So a previous owner, because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of strays that come in 20, 30, 50, 40 exactly. pounds overweight. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is somebody was, it's mistreating the dog. Yes. Overfeeding a dog is mistreating it. Yes. And that is the medical issue that 
your health resort is addressing. Yes, because a lot of these dogs, I had one who comes back as a regular boarder because her adoptive family lives in the same town I do. She was two years old, had a limp, and we had her lose 41 pounds. Two years old, and she was that much overweight. Her limp went away. Mm -hmm. She's off all her medications and everything like that. I see other dogs that are being walked by people in town or just wherever, and they're morbidly obese dogs, and the owners are completely unaware of it. And their dog would have such a much better quality of life. Their joints would feel better. They would be able to do more things. Yeah, they think their dog is happy because it enjoys lounging around and eating without regard to what this does to their joints, what this does to their internal organs. Dogs can get diabetes too. Mm-hmm. And obviously your heart would be healthier without all this extra weight. The same issues that humans have, with the exception of you are responsible for that dog. Yes. The human is responsible for themselves. Yes. This is being imposed on the dog. This is mistreatment. This is no better than neglecting a dog and starving it. You need to take care of your dog. In addition to Antoine getting out and being a therapy dog, are there other events that you take your dogs to get the some exposure for the canine health resort or just the fact that here are other kinds of dogs? People see how active our challenged dogs are. Yeah, we had a local event for the last 20 years or so until COVID. It was called the Doggy Olympics. Stupid COVID. (laughs) And they had games for dogs and their owners. It's just silly things. We had the 25-yard dash. They had hot dog retrieve. That was always fun. The dogs had to run, run down to a bucket of water, the person would drop a half a hot dog in, and the dog had to plunge its nose into the water and get the hot dog and run back. And the rule was it had to bring the hot dog back, but it could be internal or external, mostly internal. However they wanted to transport <laughs> yes, it. Yes, And musical mats where you the dog would have to sit on the mat, and then they'd take a mat away. And obstacle course, they called something called Monday Morning Marathon, where you had a uh, almost like an obstacle to follow, but instead you had to have the dog sit in a bed, get out of bed, they go take a little shower, you had to sprinkle it with a watering can, had to sit at the table to get its dog biscuit, it had to put clothes on, you had to put a shirt or shorts on your dog. You know, this was a timed event. But it was just all fun things. It was not a competitive thing. It got competitive yeah. as far as, yeah, my dog can do it faster, but... It wasn't like a dog show where you're getting scored mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of thing. So the dogs yeah, did Yeah, do you fun. meet the, the breed people, standards? Yeah, the dogs had fun. The people had fun. There were vendors who had... Well, hopefully that comes cookies. back Yeah, in I some form so. or another. Yeah. And, and any community can do it. You just have to get the volunteers who want to figure out how yeah, to do it. Be creative. That would be a great fundraiser for a shelter or a rescue mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. So, hey, listeners, somebody out there, take the reins of this and... and Bring it to your community. Any listeners out there who hear Connie's story and think, that's something I could do. I I know that's a calling, and it's calling to me. What advice would you give them if they were thinking about starting their own canine health resort? Well, I was very fortunate that I live very close to Colorado State University Veterinary Teaching Hospital. I started out doing radiation dogs Mm -hmm. because 
That was a month's worth of treatment. And then it just expanded from there. Now, because we go to the rehab facility three days a week, they have a lot of dogs that go through there that the owners are going on vacation or they come from out of town to go to the rehab facility. And vets in my town know about me for people who have elderly dogs that can't go to a kennel and you don't want to leave them with the neighbor to take care of. You have to have a customer base. You have to let veterinarians know that this is what you do. I am licensed by the state as a pet animal facility. In order to do the CSU dogs, I had to go through their legal department and get a service agreement that releases CSU from liability while the dog is in my care. Not if they're at the clinic getting radiation, but as soon as they walk out the door, they don't no longer have liability. So you have to get a lawyer involved. You need to have your own liability insurance specific to that. Some places, some insurance companies won't cover you if you're not a clinic. I found one that does because I work out of my home. Everybody lives in my house. I don't have separate kennel facility. Some dogs are in crates if they need to be, but no separate kennel facility, so insurance might be a little difficult. So you have to really have a network of... Just because you have an acreage... Mm -hmm. There's still some hoops you need oh, to jump. Yes. Don't just say, well, yes. let's uh, put our business on Yelp and see where this goes. Yeah. There's some homework you need to do. We had the dog gurus on a few weeks ago, so I'll also link to that in the description, who help animal service providers figure out all of that backroom stuff. Hmm. Because someone doesn't become a pet groomer because they love accounting. Right. Right. Yet that is essential to operating your pet grooming business. So the dog gurus help you figure out that stuff and help you network with the people who will help you with running a business beyond what is your business's hedgehog. Right. So check out the dog gurus, but definitely do your homework before you start uh, advertising that you're now a canine health resort. Right. And I'm not a vet tech, but I've had amputee dogs i've had quadriplegic dogs i have incontinent dogs currently this is not a pretty job and you have to have cleaning supplies and things like that i've learned most of my stuff by just doing it and improvising because as antoine's aged as axel's aged they have different requirements antoine has a great brace maker Ben from Hero Braces, and as his body changes, the way he moves, the brace has to change. Mm -hmm. So we work with Ben and get that going. It's um, like getting a prosthetic for a child who's still yes, growing. Yes, and his is just, just how he's changed over time, how he moves. Axel, the same thing. When she was younger, she still does have really good core strength, but now she's 12 and a half, and it's less. So she leans more. Her knees were getting scraped up. We had to come up with some way to protect her knees. She's always had her back legs bandaged because she'll drag the back legs. But most of my bandaging that I have to do, if you were to have your vet do it, it would be not by the book the way I do it. Mm -hmm. And you just have to go with what you have. I have an account. It at, works. Yeah. And I have an account at a local vet supply house. And I get the veterinary discount because I buy so much 
bandaging material from them. I've gotten to that tier. How, how long does it, tell us about your bandaging. I mean, like how many dogs do you bandage and how long does it take you? Currently, I do three every day. It just depends on the dog that comes in, but the three, the ones that live there permanently, Antoine, Axel's the highest maintenance one because she has both legs, knee braces for protection, not for bracing her knees. And she has uh, cast padding, vet wrap, used IV bag, those plasticky rubbery mm-hmm. bags, white tape, and then on one leg she has three layers, on the other leg she has five layers of gorilla tape. Not plain old duct tape. Yeah. Gorilla tape. Yeah, that's the that's the heavy duty yeah. stuff. Right. And then she has two extra layers over the drag point where she drags mostly. And that's because some days she will drag all the way through to the skin if I don't have that many layers on her. And they all come off at night so their legs can air out. Antoine has his boot on his right leg and his he's got cast padding, vet wrap, white tape, and then his brace. And then my big great Dane, Simon, he wears three boots, just regular dog boots, mm-hmm. XXL dog boots. And those I do white tape on them to keep them on because you can't just put a dog boot on them and then they'll fall off. So with Janet's question, on any given day, Mm -hmm. how much time is spent taping, wrapping, cutting off tape, cutting off wrap? Daytime. Or would you rather not think about it? No, morning, I can do Antoine and Axel in 20 minutes. And then you throw on Simon. The good thing about the morning is all three of those dogs are asleep. It's not like I'm in the crack of dawn. This could be at 7, 8 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. They're still sleeping, so there's no, there's nothing, yeah. no resistance. I would say it takes me half an hour to 40 minutes for the three dogs, unless I'm really in a rush. And taking it off at night is much easier, except for Axel, because sometimes you can't get the scissors to go through all those layers. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to save the IV bag to use it again. So I usually have to unwrap her layers and that, I don't know, that, I don't know. I've never timed how much that, because I've got the late show on or something, and I'm watching that. <laughs> You're so. multitasking. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's your business, but it's also a labor of love, and we thank you for doing it, and maybe it's an inspiration to others out there, maybe not to provide the same service, but at least to be aware of this need, and, and to have also- a friend or neighbor or relative who's going through this with their dog who doesn't have access to a canine health resort, what can you do to be their Connie? Well, first of all, you have to realize they're not as fragile as you think. Yes, there are some cases that are fragile, but in most cases, don't worry about them as much. Let them still be dogs. And, and even the dogs I had when my had my quadriplegic and a front leg amputee, and they really couldn't do much anymore. I would drive over to a prairie dog colony and open up the doors and windows so they could see the prairie dogs, you know, cheep, 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 mm-hmm. you know and, oh, and engage in that. Yeah. They loved that because it was something. It wasn't just And the waves of smells yes. coming yes. through the door from and a colony for, of prairie dogs. For car rides. Just go places. And, and even if they're sitting on the ground somewhere, it's a different ground than their house. Mm-hmm. So... Just get them out and engage their minds. goes back to what we were saying earlier. Let them be a dog. Yes. Janet Coran, thank you for introducing us to (laughs) Connie Fredman. And Connie, thank you for sharing your story and especially for bringing 
Antoine and Axel along, and I don't know how well Axel did. I didn't hear a peep out of her. <laughs> Got a couple of looks from Antoine because I talk kind of loud sometimes. Sorry about that, buddy. But thank you for bringing them along, and again, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Janet Curran for returning to Dog Words and Connie Fredman for telling the story of the Canine Health Resort. A link to caninehealthresort.com is in the description, as well as links to antoinesfund.org, where you can order Antoine's Tale, an extraordinary shelter dog's journey, or make a donation that will help support animal care at the Canine Health Resort. As I said last time, I highly recommend buying the book and don't stop at just one. The description also has links to any Dog Words episodes mentioned in this interview. Next time on Dog Words, Melody Huff from The Pet Connection tells us about their free training and behavior classes for adopters and other great work they are doing for animal welfare in their community. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule at thewires.info, and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Join Laurel and Sasha as they explore new music and delve into the inspiration behind each work as hosts of Sound Currents on 91.9 Classical KC. Click on the Sound Current links in the description for more information. Go to rosyfund.org to shop and get links to our social media. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions via the contact form at rosyfund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening to Dog Words, and remember, we save each other. Mm-hmm.